and welcome to the Three Musketeers podcast. Introducing the brothers behind it, Hamid and Hissam Amiri. Join them on their journey as they discuss unconventional topics from different perspectives. Real experience with key speakers around the world. Welcome back to another episode with Three Musketeers podcast. It's myself, Hamid, and Hesam. Today is our, I guess, second episode of our mini-series of our super role models in IT. And we have a special guest, Faye, who we randomly crossed paths not so long ago. And I think all I can say about Faye is she is an inspirational person who founded Code Possible, a software development and learning resource platform for developers. And I let her explain, obviously, what that does and entails, and also code and stuff, where it's a networking community for women and non-binary developers in Manchester. If that wasn't enough, not so long ago, Faye was named top 50 most influential and inspiring black voices in tech and I'm sure she'll go on to have more and bigger achievements. Without further ado, Faye, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Do you want to give us a bit of intro about, you know, who you are, your journey, and, you know, what got you into the tech sector? So my name is Faye Jowery. I am a senior front-end developer at the Department of Work Conventions Digital. And I am a soft, I am a software developer, and I'm also the founder of Code Possible, and Code and Stuff. So Code Possible is a software development learning platforms for inspiring developers and code newbies, like I always say. And Code and Stuff is a coding and networking community for women and non-binary code newbies and develop, developers in Manchester. And due to COVID and lockdown, I'd probably say that we're not more opened, not just in Manchester, because we've been doing a lot of our events online. So if I take it back to your, I guess, where your career started in IT, do you want to just talk through, you know, that and how it happened? A journey. Yeah. Usually when I talk about my journey into tech, I always tell people it's an happy accident. <laughs> and um, one, I'm actually generally... Uh, it happened. So my journey to tech sort of happened by accident. As most people, I went to university. I didn't really enjoy what I did in university. It was sort of pick a subject. I already had a gap here. I was ready to get out of the house. My mum was driving me crazy. <laughs> and coming from an African background, it, gap here is not even what you do. It's supposed to be school. Education is like important. So when I was ready to go to university, I just sort of picked something. But it was still something I was passionate about. So I was always passionate about children. So I did um, integrated children practices, but I couldn't really see myself seeing that progressing after my degree. So I was, the university I went to was Edgehill University. It was a teaching college before it became really big. So quite a lot of my friends throughout my three years in university were teachers. So I was like, oh, you know what? I've actually had some experience working in schools when I was in college. That would be quite interesting to see if there's something I could do for the long term but once the very long year finished I realized as much as I enjoy teaching and helping to shape young people's future it's not something I saw myself doing long term and it was sort of back to the drawing table so what next and I thought oh, the corporate word could be something to try <laughs> so I got a job at well I applied for a job at 
the co-op group. I know there's quite a lot, so people don't get quite <laughs> confused. So I applied at the co-op group via an agency for sort of like an admin job. Mm-hmm. But I was still sort of still determined what's my plan. But obviously, after finishing my postgrad, I needed to start working so I can start looking after myself <laughs> and yeah. making some money. So I was like, oh, corporate work, why not just do something in the meantime and see how that goes, see if there's something for me. I'm always of the mentality that you need to try something just to see what's like before you sort of make up your mind about it really. And for me, co-op was perfect because I've always been someone that's really passionate about wanting to work somewhere where I feel like I work is really meaningful and it's not about profits. So when I got my job at the co-op, I was very excited. I still sort of started in the, it was an admin job, but they needed help at the job centre. So I was, I was helping out, but then obviously, I started thinking, obviously, this is not long-term. What's my next plan? And uh, luckily enough, when you're in the co-op, you can sort of transfer internally. And then usually when they don't find anyone internally, then they do an external posting. But I just couldn't see myself doing that for such a long-term. I'm such a very career-oriented person. I really wanted to do something that's a lot more fulfilling than just talking to people on the the phone all day. So from there, I uh, applied to the membership team to admin. So pretty much it was a data analyst role. I was working with the marketing and communications team in analysing all the uh, marketing and helping out with uh, campaigns sort of pretty much from start to finish sort of work really from the inceptions of the different marketing campaigns that um, they did so that was a really good introduction into corporate world I learned quite a lot from that then pretty much into my role they had a new person that joined and it was my bracken he came from the UK and he really wanted to help change the way things were so it was right before the inception of co-op digital and he had this um, idea that people that worked doing the same things, regardless of whatever department you are, because obviously Coop was such a big company. There was the funeral side, there was the insurance side, but at the heart of it is the membership side, which is where I was based. And he believed people doing the same role, regardless of what department you are, should be sat together closely working together so there was a massive reshuffling that happened when it started so it it did shake things up (laughs) and um, part of that was meant um, I got a new boss my role sort of changed a little bit okay and well my role was sort of like indecisive for what I was going to do so but for me I was I was sort of I was happy to be along for the ride really I'm always open to new things And from there, I got a new boss and she inherited some websites and some projects and she wasn't quite sure what to do with it. But obviously, because I've been doing such an analytics uh, digital role, I started doing more data analytics to doing more uh, Google Analytics. And I started actually learning on the Google platform about analytics as well so for her that sort of translated to digital and um, she was like well there's this website project that I've sort of inherited I don't know what to do with it do you want to have a look at it and see what what do you think we need to progress yeah we need to progress with it so I was like okay it's sort of not really my job (laughs) but I was actually using my previous experience at data analytics was actually came very helpful because the one thing I did was look at the analytics of the website to see how it's been performing. And so that's how I started. So it was sort of relating to my job, but she wanted me to look at it a lot more than just 
the data aspect of it. So the first thing I did was always analyze how the website was doing, looking at how many visits there were, what people were downloading, what resources were doing really well and what weren't doing really well. So I was like, okay, so I then took my report back to her. She was like, well, that sounds really good. Well, and she was like, well, all these things she proposed, can you go ahead and do them? And I was like, that's not really my job. <laughs> I'm not really a web developer. <laughs> and she was like, well, do you want to or not? And I was like, well, I'm definitely happy for the challenge <laughs> and that's how I got into coding really so I went from okay I need to get rid of this page how do I do that to then learning how to do it and that's oh, literally wow. how my journey really started and so obviously from my analysis and my report I knew exactly what needed to be done I knew what page needed to be got rid of I knew what image we need to refresh I just then had to go about trying to understand how to do that <laughs> so I did that for a month or so I uh, went to our marketing department, tried to find some technical people. So we were currently using a content management system then um, when I was still at the co-op. So I tried to try and find the team that would help me and I started researching. And then from there, I started according to the plan that I proposed in my research to my boss and be like, this is what we need to do. So I started making all the changes, changing things that needed to be changed. And obviously we'd had like a monthly review of what I've been doing just so she's aware of what's happening. And from there, I really just enjoyed it. Um, I remember I remember during my first change where I sort of copied the code and I put it like, I didn't know about code editors then. I just literally opened like a Word document and put all the code in there just in case whatever I did was and write so at least I still had the original <laughs> I still I could go, go back to scratch if it didn't work out <laughs> so that was literally my introduction to coding I didn't even know it was called coding I thought it was just called content management I didn't realize I was actually coding I was just um, copying all these weird tags <laughs> I didn't really understand and then I was copying them making sure if I make a mess at least I still had the original stuff and I could put it back in and nothing's gone bad and that's how I got really into it and then I kept learning more and I realized what I was learning and looking at was HTML then I learned shortly while I was styling it was CSS I started to pick up the language and I was like well I really actually enjoy this and then it went from there to learning JavaScript and things like that so I was like wow, oh, wow. this is really good so it started from me just working on that one project to then people within the teams or people within my floor seeing what I'm doing and be like, okay, well, do you want to post some data page on the intranet? And I started picking up works from teams on my floor as well. And I did that for, so I started doing more content updating on the internet and at the same time still working on this project because it was a massive project. It was about, it was over 200 pages, web pages, this project I was looking at. So there was loads to do with it. So on the side of that, I started picking up work from other teams and I was like really enjoying it. Even my manager said, you seem a lot happier doing this stuff. And I was like, yeah, I am actually. So I sort of realized that this is what I wanted to do. I really wanted to do stuff like that. So I started doing my research about like, what exactly? is this that I've been doing so from there I started looking more into how to become a web developer <laughs> and I decided then that yeah I definitely wanted to do this and my plan for that was to quit my job and really go into full-time but then at the same time I was quite lucky in terms of that was when the inception of Co-op Digital started and that really gave me so much experience of what's like to work in tech I had 
more access to people doing more software development. I would go to all the show and tells they were working on. They were trying to launch some new products for the co-op. They were also launching, they were also rebranding the co-op image. So they went from the cooperative to the co-op. So at the time when I was working there, I started working for the cooperative group. By the time I left, it was called the co-op group. So there's a massive rebranding. And part of that was also the whole membership website was getting rebranded. So it was just not the image, it was everything. It was getting changed. So I was very lucky to be able to be right in the middle of it and got so much exposure. So that really helped cement it what I wanted to do. Going to all the show and tells and seeing the progress they've made and how they go about. So I was just one of the people that went out to um, Oxford for some user research and some user research about the new branding to see how people felt about the new branding. And that sort of really just then immersed me into it. And I'm like, wow, this is what I want to be doing. I want to be creating digital products like this, which is basically a website that makes people like, wow, like introduce products to people or whatever you want to sell or whatever information you want to display. So that really helped cemented my idea to take a break from the work and dedicate some time. So my plan was to actually take a year off. During that time, I did some research. Also, there was an opportunity for a scholarship for Android development. I've always been yeah. team Android. So I've always <laughs> been curious about what happened behind the scenes on my phone. So I applied for the scholarship. I quit my job. I went off to Tokyo and I was looking for the <laughs> and I was looking for the best. <laughs> And it was actually, I was in Tokyo, I think it was the 5th of Jan when I got the news that I got the scholarship and that changed everything. It sort of helped cemented that I'm on the right track. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Because that yeah. was like, that was the sign I was sort of waiting for. You know, when you, you, you have made that decision, but you're still waiting for something to kind of be like pushing, be like, this is what you need to do. And for me, that was that sign, getting that scholarship was that sign that I needed that, yeah, this is the right part for you. Was that quite hard? So obviously being working in an organization and then saying, do you know what, I'm going to try something. Because a lot of people, from my perspective, if I look at it externally, it's quite hard where you're already in a work in an organization to say, I'm going to pause, yeah. take a year, and obviously not even UK, you know, all the way in Tokyo as well. Yeah, I think... I think I've always kind of just gone for what I wanted. I think I've always had that image just not to be careful and just try things. There's this still a, a slight element of fear, but uh, fear, sorry. <laughs> but the one thing that made that decision easier for me was I was financially stable. I think yeah. once, you, once you are, it's easier to make decisions like this where you don't have that finance restriction. So when I started working at the co-op, I was saving a lot. Plan was to buy a house, obviously, but <laughs> that kind of took a back burner. So I had that all that money that I was supposed to use to buy a house. And I was like, you know what? This I'm thinking of my future. I'm thinking of a career that I see myself loving and doing for so many, many years. And that, that was sort of what kind of gave me that push, the extra push I needed to just go for it. So I was thinking long term, not just right now. And I think that's really important when you think about your career, like are you in a, in a job where you really love, are you excited to get up to, to um, go to work every day. And for me, coding was what got me up when I was still at the co-op and I was still doing all the responsibility 
that aspect of it was what got me more excited for it. So for me, that was, there was no, there was no turning back. But at the same time, there was still that element of fear saying, oh, am I doing the right thing? Am I going to hate it? And I'm just a really good paying job <laughs> to go do something where there's still no assurance that I would get what I want at the end. It was, it was definitely very scary. But then I just thought, okay, well, at least I'm financially stable. Whatever happens, hopefully I'll be, I'm sure I'll be able to get another job. If it doesn't work out, I'll probably just go back to go back to the co-op doing what I was doing or yeah. something else. So let me let me ask you a question because we've got audiences probably out there that I wouldn't say they're in similar situation, but they might be doing something and I'd love to pick your brain. They might be doing something right now in a career or a degree educational wise that they're not much truly enjoy or they don't feel like that's their true calling. Yeah. What would be what would be your advice to those listeners out there? I'll probably say they then need to find what gets them excited, what gets them out the door and make a plan. I think for me, that was it. I made a plan. I had a backup. I had something to... Obviously, I had to change my plan from buying a house to then using that money to sort of yeah. sustain myself for a year. I made sure I was financially independent as well. And I think usually when you're... I think at the hour of any decision you make, when you don't have to worry about money, it makes that decision a lot easier. And it would be to sort of think about what they are excited about and then don't be also afraid to try new things. Obviously, I didn't know I wanted to work in tech until I was actually in it and mm. was actually doing it. And I think that's one of the key things is trying something. For me, it was, it was just about take that year off. Obviously, my plan was to come back earlier if things didn't plan out. Yeah. So I, I literally, I had, I've always been quite reflective. So I had my pros and cons. It wasn't just something, it, just, it was something that I've been sort of thinking about for a while. And I think personally, it's just, you need to sort of reflect on what is it you want to do? What, what makes you get out of bed in the morning? But at the same time, are you able to then pursue that? And if you're not, what's stopping you? Like I said, it, it would need to be like, sort of reflecting pros and um, doing your list of pros and cons I think for me that's something that I did what, what's the pros of leaving my job and doing this and what's the con what, what am I gonna what happens if it doesn't work out what's my backup plan that was the something that kept me going having those written out so I, I knew I had a plan regardless of whatever happened so I think that's something I would definitely advise I was going to say, I think you, you, you've um, highlighted something very interesting. And I've seen this sometimes in places that I've been. And I didn't used to do it when I was younger, but I, I do a lot now. And it's the word you said planning and pros and cons. So, yeah. you know, it's a question for, for people listening. How often do we Reflect. dwell with ideas? Yeah, yeah. Dwell with ideas and say, is this a right decision? Is this a wrong decision? No, I'm, I'm looking at Hesam, obviously, who's, who's here as well. How often... Did we used to do that when you were younger? Compared to now, what I've realized is if you get a single, if a single blank paper and you put your pros and as you said, your cons, you know, are you happy? What's, what's working well where you are now? Yeah. And what could work well if you go somewhere else, if you try something else? And I think 
the reason it works for me now, I'm, I'm looking at my wardrobe as I'm speaking to you. I've got six different sheets up there from my 2017, 18, 19 and 20 plans. And they're still up there because I reflect back what are my plans from you know yeah. a few years ago and what are they this year. But the reason it helps me, and I think what Faye mentioned for, for the listeners out there is it gives you a chance to think logically because you can see it from a helicopter holistic view that these are my good points. These are my bad points. This is going well. This isn't going well. Otherwise you dwell on the pros and cons and you, you can physically work out the, the balance. Does that make sense? You, you do yeah. focus on the little things. Yeah. So I, I think that's a beautiful response. And I think a powerful answer, um, Faye on advice for the audience um, listening. I think what I loved about your journey listening to it, um, we both nodding along is I think you said uh, happy accident. Yeah. Into tech. Into tech. But I think also to me, you wanted to make something and believed in it. And, you know, you mentioned when you were in co-op and you went to your team and you Yeah, I'm very and career focused. And I um, think one thing I'm always like when I make all these weird things, I'm very intentional when I do decide to do things because I've thought it out really well. Yeah. But I think that shows... So, you know, people always say, you know, what, what would be your advice or what are the traits for me to be successful? Whatever success looks like. And what you've highlighted is very key is how much do you really want those success? How much, you know, what is your ambition? Is it just you're saying it, but not believing in it? And to me, listening to you, you kind of made it happen. You know, you yeah. went out of your way, even though it wasn't part of your role and took on the responsibility and created that opportunity. And it led you to say, and actually it led you to find your true calling. Is that, would that be a yeah. fair assumption? Yeah, definitely. It's sort of like when you go to interview and they said, but where do you see yourself in five year time, in five years time? And I think it's sort of asking yourself that question. Obviously it's, it's hard to think about what's going to happen in five years time. Like this year has been so completely unpredictable and it's sort of always planning for things that might not happen and things that might happen so it's sort of yeah. almost like that in a way when I look at my career like where do I want to see myself in in five years time what does success mean to me what does being what does all that contributed to being successful and happy what does that look like for me so I think for me it's I've always been very reflective I think it's something that I learned quite earlier on no matter I think for me it's regardless if it's personal or if it's um, professional I always try and reflect on a lot of the things I do and I have this um, favorite quote from um, Yvonne Wong it says sometimes you have to look back in order to really understand the things that lie ahead and I think even for me it's not just reflecting on bad experiences it's also reflecting on good ones as well to be like okay that went well but how can it go better I've always had that sort of mentality so I think for me to apply that to my career it wasn't very hard but I know it's not something that comes really easily to a lot of people to sort of it's almost like self-criticizing but at the same time you're not criticizing to you're criticizing to for a positive sort of Goal, yeah, to improve yourself. You know, in a way, yeah. So I think that's something that I would definitely recommend that a lot of people do. If you're quite unhappy in your job, why are you unhappy? What could make you happier? Could it be maybe not even your job? Maybe it's the company you work for. Maybe it's about the people you work with. Maybe it's about the company you work for. And it's just sort of understanding the aspect of what's going to make you happy and then going from there, really. And then trying to do whatever it is 
uh, whatever it takes to to get there really no i w- i was going to say coming into this career digital just because i'm in digital as well digital marketing yeah it is quite amazing because i picked a law degree and then oh, I wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, after i finished my law degree i was like this is not something which i want to do and then yeah. i went into a maternity cover for marketing and then this is what ended up being my true calling because i was like this is so amazing but i never knew about it until yeah. i had the chance um, and i think this is a lot of people happen in this now your career in education doesn't have to be where you end up exactly yeah. it really doesn't yeah. but I, I think from my perspective that sh- that should be the case but a lot of people still falling in that trap where I feel like, and again, Faye, I don't know about you, you know, where you're based and, you know, the people in in your own sort of circle, do you see that as well, that people still want to follow the traditional yeah. route? I feel like people feel like otherwise they've wasted. So I was speaking to actually, I was speaking to a friend about that and just like, well, I don't want to waste the three years I've done in, in university. But I'm like, if you're obviously not happy, then it's not really a waste. You're doing, it's, you're doing something that's going to make your life a lot better. It's not about three years you spent in university learning this degree getting this degree it's about your whatever you've done in university does not define you it doesn't have to be okay so i went to i practice law i have to be a lawyer if you're not happy being a lawyer you've got to then look further to be like okay what's going to make me happy what's going to make me feel more fulfilled in life and i think it's a lot of people they go more around that they don't i think a lot sometimes it might be due to family pressure or maybe just career security, maybe just having that career where they, at least they've got a steady income coming in. And I think for me, if I didn't have the financial security I had, I probably might not have made that move. So I think that's, that's, that's really a major part of it, really being having that independence to be able to be like, leave a bad job or leave a bad situation and be like, I'm not staying here. If, if I'm not happy, it's, it's really hard for some people and I think it's also it's hard to it's it's hard to go into the unknown not knowing what's going to happen and I think a lot of us are that fearless enough to go for it and just be like you know what I'm going to go for regardless of what happened and I think we need to be a, a little bit more fearless when it comes to our career because there was this saying that I actually somebody shared with me when I was on my break and she was like this is exactly what I've been wanting to do, but I've, I've just not had the strength to do it. It was something around if you don't love what you do, um, if what you do does not... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm going I'm to try and think about it later, if that's okay. No, um, that's fine. I think it's something that's... It really got me... Because I got into the middle of my break and I'm like, I myself, you, you get that wobble along the way and it, it, hearing her talk about how I've motivated her and I'm kind of like here I am thinking I've made the worst mistake ever. <laughs> and here you are thinking like, wow, that's amazing. And that just kind of kept me going. Yeah. Cause I was going to say, talking about fear, what made you start the two platforms, which you have now being in the tech sector so long. And then what was the moment which you went, I need to do this. I need to do yeah. this for either the next generation or to make it easier for yeah. people after me. 
I think it was for me reflecting on my journey. Like I said, I'm such a reflective person. For me, could possible. So when I sort of went, went into tech and I was learning, I met so many people by my Udacity Google Scholarship. And that sort of, like I said, I was sometimes having a wobble and I had people that were coming to me and saying, oh, wow, it's so great that you've taken a break out. I'm, I'm sort mm. of doing this part-time with a job. I'm sort of doing this alongside the job. So for me, it's that fear aspect. It's it's always there. It's not like I was completely fearless. Like I said, there, there were times where there were very like points where I had wobbles and be like, oh my God, I can't do this. I've made the worst mistake ever. I've just left a good paying job to to nothing. <laughs> yeah. And then there was also a point looking at my bank account and the money was going, I was like, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> There's, there's always going to be that initial fear and it's just, it's, it's a case of actually just like, okay, then thinking about your purpose, why you started this journey. And I think a lot of it, I always had to go to why am I doing this? And that was what got me going. And sometimes it's something I would speak to a lot of my friends about, like when they complain about their job, I'm like, okay, but if you want to do this, then make sure you are you mean it like you're ready for it and for me it's that's your purpose for doing it when you when I was looking back into why I'm learning all this stuff and things got really difficult I had that wobble I was thinking about oh I love this it's been something that I've enjoyed the first time I really enjoyed doing something and that was what kept me going I was looking into why the why of why I was doing something and I think usually anytime, even outside of my career, when I have a wobble doing things and I get to that point where that fear kind of creeps in, I go back into what well, my purpose is, why I'm doing it. It's just, I always go back to the why. I think that's really important when you go back to why you're doing something. And if it's such a strong enough reason, it definitely will get you going. Yeah. And I think but for me, fear is a good thing sometimes because... <sighs> It's exactly. really cheesy, but it keeps you on your toes. And yeah. I think what I love, what I love about your your method, I'd want people to take a note is it's okay to not be okay because yeah. we do we always have those bad days. We have those days that you you question it and is it for me? Is it too much? I'm spinning too many plates. We've everyone's had it, and if someone you know if someone can come to me and say they've never had a bad day, I would be willing to bet money because that it can't be the case. They just, yeah. they're just hiding from that fact. But what you've highlighted is it's okay, but remember the reason you've taken this journey, you've taken yeah. this chance, you've taken this risk to be where you are and, and correct me if I'm wrong, the, the way your, your mind kind of works is you say you, my goal is up there. Yes, I'm having a wobble, but the goal's still there, and I still want to achieve it. Yeah. So then you kind of realign yourself to what you what you were originally what thinking. Got yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's just you kind of reaffirm yourself with why you're doing it, and that's if it's such a good enough reason, it keeps you going, and that's sort of one thing that it's always kept me going, regardless of what decisions I'm making. If I look back into the why, which is I think when you are doing something for such a good reason, it's it's not it's it's a lot harder to give up if that makes sense no yeah for the people out there who don't know what is code and stuff 
Is it code and stuff? Is it coding stuff? <laughs> yeah. So actually, I probably will start with the code possible. So for me, I started code possible first when I reflected back on my journey. So when I started back into tech, I had loads of questions. There was not a concrete place to go for it. So like I said, when I took that year off, I was doing a lot of research what I needed to learn, how do you become a web developer? And I came across so many unhelpful <laughs> and helpful things, but it was because I was not in the industry, it was really hard for me to digest what was actually really helpful. And then from starting this career in tech, throughout my one year, I started blogging about what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, and sharing things that I've made. Because when I did my first portfolio, when I was sort of ready to start, applying for tech jobs I literally shared it with LinkedIn that's sort of when I actually started my LinkedIn I was like okay get it all out there because that's actually got my first job by LinkedIn someone reached out to me so we saw you shared this website we're looking for like a web developer and I think you'd be suited so it was it was just me sharing my journey and I actually had people also reaching out to me saying no I'm actually thinking about doing this what do you advise I had quite a lot of people coming to me and I was like and I ended up giving them the same answers so I was like okay maybe I should do I should do something about this yeah and I also wanted to help people I wanted people that might be in a similar situation as myself to have a better journey to have a quicker journey to the answer that they were were looking for because it literally took a lot of research for me to um, realize that I needed to learn HTML CSS I was looking at web development jobs to kind of obviously coming from sort of that data aspect it was easy for me to analyze the data I was saying and I picked out the common factor so I was I was researching web development jobs in Manchester I was looking mm-hmm. at the requirements that companies were looking for the skills and languages they were looking for so then I sort of pretty much brought up a list of the common factors from all these different job posts and I was like okay obviously this is the common thing people are looking for then I need to really focus on this so that's how I based my learning on my yeah. research. So for me, it could possibly also fill in that need for people that might be wanting to try becoming a developer. And then when you look into tech, the technical aspect of it, there's so many different parts, there's so many different languages. So there's been oh, so a you've highlighted of, the key parts. Yes. Yeah, so I, swear, oh, okay. I, I so there's two parts to it. So there's a the part where it more of a guidance where it tells you if you want to be a web developer where you need to learn, if you want to be a software developer, sort of maybe building things for desktop or building stuff for mobile. I think now as well, things are changing so much. And it's sort of, I sort of highlighted what languages and what pathway you needed to go in. And then there's the other part of Code Possible where I talk about platforms where you can actually go to learn this stuff. And they are things that I've done, the platforms that I've used. So yeah. at the moment it's called, 24 platforms and this year now I'm a maternity I'm really hoping to do more research and add to it and the platforms a majority of them are actually free yeah where you can actually learn how to code there's platform like Udacity where I got my uh, where I did got two scholarships from that I completed successfully they also have some free courses I think even at the moment they're doing like 75% off their degrees which is amazing and they're like they're like platforms like Code Academy where you can learn for free. They're like different platforms where you can practice your skills. So if you go like an um, interview, you can practice. And there's also sites if you've got kids and you want to teach them some slight coding. There's also that as well. So they all categorize. And I'm really hoping this year I can work on it a lot more to make it a little more refined. 
So I think what we'll do, we'd, we'd love to, and we will anyway, we'll, we'll put a, we'll put a link to code possible into the bio, because to me, again, listening to it from an external perspective, you've got your years of experience. You've seen the common questions people get and they Google away and you've said, and I love it because it's, it's simple, but it's so effective. I'm going to create something that people can go and actually work out if it's if it's this language, if it's this, this is the career, this is what you need to do. This is where you go to learn more about it, do the courses and et cetera. And I, do you know what? It makes me smile at the same time, frustrated. Why don't we have more people, more people like yourself out there to make, to make everyone's life slightly easier. But I think so, that's also why we have Google, but at the same time, it's, it's hard to process things when you're not in the industry. And that was the one thing that I found really hard, even though all the information was right there because I wasn't in the industry. I didn't really understand it as well. Like, what did I need to learn first? All that kind yeah. of stuff. Like, what comes before this? It was sort of, I was all over the place, if I am being honest. When I was learning, I was just learning everything, obviously. But then now I've, I've had that experience and I understand what needs to come first. It's about explaining that to make it a lot easier for someone that's new. If someone isn't in the industry, yeah, what would be your advice to them? If they are in the industry. If they're say? not in the industry. In so the for industry. example, someone who doesn't know, and the reason I'm asking, so a bit of backstory, the challenge that I've seen and the reason obviously I love your story and your journey is there's a, there's a lack of women in IT sector. Um, yeah. which I'm, which we both, myself and Hesam, are advocates and we want to break that. Hence the fact, you know, we, we love to have like role models like yourself out there. But also another layer below that is there's even less, you know, women and female in the BAME sector. Yeah. So what would be your advice for someone? Because for me, a lot of people don't understand when I say I'm in the IT field and when people say to me, what do you, what do, you do? I don't explain to them. I'm a head of dev or I used to be service delivery. I just say IT and people assume yeah. I, I fix computers and laptops. I fix, yeah. And when their laptop runs slow, they think that's, that's what I do. So they come to me, which is fine because I know, <laughs> I know what's wrong with it, but that isn't my field. Yeah. yeah. What, would, what would be your, I don't know, advice for those people who are not educated is the wrong words that don't know what IT is. Yeah. And I think it's, if they have any opportunity to try it and I think, try it and then this is what this is actually a good question because this is what got me to start coding stuff which is the second thing that i founded oh nice when nice nicely <laughs> nice into it yeah perfect so this this is when i go into tech and it was like yeah i made it but then i go into it and i was like the only female in a room of like six guys when I started my first job and my second one I was like the only female in a room of 16 guys and not just that I was also the only black female and I was like oh yay what was what, what, what I walked into like I was I was I've always knew like tech was male dominated but to actually see it and be in it it was yeah. completely different and for me that was like okay well this is not right <laughs> how, do, how do I change that and, and for me that's sort of how coding still started for me I had, the, I had the opportunity of that community when I started but not everybody's as lucky and I, I really wanted to make tech more accessible to women and non-binary because for me that those were the people that I didn't see in the room 
Fair enough, there was quite a lot more people missing at the table. But for me, that was more important. I wanted to see more women that looked like me. And I think that's the one thing I've been so lucky for. Our credit stuff has been, it's been very diverse. The people that come in, we've got people from all ages and all different backgrounds. And for me, starting Kunda stuff, the goal was to make a career in tech more accessible and correcting that diversity imbalance in tech because when you think about tech now, it's so ingrained in our today life and i think this year more a lot of companies also realize how important it is yeah. we need to make sure that the people at the table everybody is represented at the table and part of that is making sure there's a huge diversity in tech and people building products that people are going to be using day-to-day life it reflects the real life to them because then otherwise that product will only serve one people, only like one aspect, not everybody. So for me, it's giving them that opportunity to try it. So like I've always been that, because I had that experience, like I was teaching someone that was doing computer science in university, but it made like computer science sound so boring. I was like, ew, no, I could never do that. And all it was doing was being a web development. Uh, um, it was doing like a computer science, but it was mostly focusing on the web aspect web aspect of it but when they explained it to me it made it sound so boring I was like you know but now I'm actually doing it and I'm like wow that's what it is like you have to sometimes try something in order to have that assumption and I think also tech also has this massive people have this massive misperception about what it is to work in tech and it's not the case and, and you're trying to break that aren't you yeah giving people opportunity to come in and actually try it and and I think one thing that made code and stuff work really well is it's mentored based. So you have people that actually work in the industry mentoring you, but you're also self-learning because I think if you really want to work in tech and be successful in tech, you really need to be a self-learner, especially in the technical aspect because tech is always evolving. You need to be constantly constantly learning. And if you're not somebody that loves to learn, you're going to find out very early on it's not for you. So it was about giving people that opportunity and that safe environment as well to try it. Because in my journey where I was learning, I was part of different communities. I actually co-organized two other communities in Manchester as well. But the one thing that I saw that I wanted to change from the communities I went to was what got me to also start it as well. Because I came across so many women that said, oh, I, I really liked it and I started, but then I ate snag and then I couldn't unblock it and I just kind of gave up that became such a popular thing that I was hearing from a lot of the women that were so trying they didn't have that support to keep going is that general or within the IT sector I think it's I I struggle sometimes but I'm so lucky that I'm surrounded by amazing people that are willing to help me even being a senior because when it comes to the technical aspect in tech it's not easy because you're always having to learn something it's not like you're doing the same old thing all the time Mm-hmm. sometimes you're you're picking something new you're introducing a new component into a software you're already building so you have to learn the languages are changing all the time there's new frameworks coming in that you have to learn and implement so you're always actively learning something new that it's it's almost impossible not to have that constant imposter syndrome because you're actively learning so let me you mentioned something very interesting you said the perception in it is it's not balanced. If I ask, it's almost like the golden dust question. Do you know, or in your opinion, what do you think has caused that? 
and what is the way obviously coding stuff is a great initiative but how can we collectively people in it and non-it you know male and female how can we start to break that perception i think the transparency is really important and that's why i try to bring to coding stuff as well transparency of what i do day to day what i do generally what my day-to-day is like so sort of like in a, in a developer and because tech is actively evolving there's also this new roles that didn't exist 10 years ago and people don't even know it's possible that they can go into there's not that transparency of what the possibility are in tech and i think personally what we can try to do more is not just break down roles i, I see quite a lot of roles and they're so vague when you look at them job specs in tech and I'm like what exactly are you going to be doing because sometimes I even read my job descriptions to wide and I'm like Jesus I doesn't even tell you properly what you're supposed to be doing so I think there needs to be a lot more transparency around tech roles and that organization themselves needs to start doing a lot better in terms of also making the job spec not too technical i've seen quite a lot of them and a lot of them sometimes even ask for experiences in things that don't even exist like i sometimes get like job posts for like and this was before react got really popular when i started in tech there were people sending me like oh we need a uh, five years experience in react and react was only like two years old at that time so like unrealistic expectations yeah, yeah expectations basically and that doesn't really help at all when someone's looking at this and there's all this stuff that even sometimes it's not even relating to what you have to do and making it almost impossible for someone that's looking at it and be like oh i don't think i can do this i think for me there's, there definitely needs to be more transparency on what people are like what a tech role is what uh, being a developer is what being a business analyst is what being a project manager is and the one thing that I've started to talk about, um, try and do now is trying to link people to role models in tech. And like, that's one of the things about coding stuff. A lot of people are like, what's that name about? And, I, and for me, it's not just about coding. I want it to help people actually get a job in tech. It's not just about, oh, they learn how to code and then you're on your way. We do so much more and that's where the, actually the name comes from, coding stuff. We do stuff around, we do CV reviews because a lot of people learning all these skills are coming from this completely separate industry. So then it's not, it's, it's not the same as writing a, a job spec for like a normal corporate role. It's, you need to talk about your skills. You need to talk about, even though you don't have the experience, you need to talk about your portfolio. This is more of a visual thing. You need to share what you've been doing. So it's, it's all completely uh, different from writing just a normal CV to writing a technical CV. We do like interview prep. We try and signpost them to other opportunities in tech that's going to fast track them to where they need to go if it's like a free boot camp courses or free opportunities in tech we do like different workshops and things like that so and i think one thing i'm really open to do next year is also like provide work experiences so i've been sort of speaking to companies in um, around manchester to see if they can get let people come in and that comes to that whole transparency again of people actually seeing what's like yeah, like given day, that insight. A day, a day, yeah, exactly. They need a developer. And then they don't waste their time being like learning all this stuff, but actually the reality of what it is, it's completely different to what they thought it was. It's not easy. 
No. And then get people to actually see that it, it helps them make that decision, decision a lot faster to be like, oh, actually, is this what I want to be doing? Uh, do I actually want to sit at a desk or day on the computer? Because that's what majority of my job is. <laughs> no, I think, I think you made a valid point though, because thinking about this, you know, out loud, you mentioned transparency and giving them that inside day. I don't see enough of the local and smaller organizations that do have IT presence do that. And maybe, you know, one thing we need to take away and, you know, push organizations is to say, look, it's not going to cost you anything if it's an hour in a day and you have someone who's just explained to I don't know, a group of five, 10 people say, this is actually what IT is. And, you know, as you said, yeah. you've got different breaks down, you know, you've got your, you've got your dev, you've got infrastructure, you've got service desk, you've got et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to go into the yeah. nitty gritty, but you're right. Is slowly so breaking that. Yeah. People don't realize it. So they're unevenly aware of it. And like maybe previous skills they have, that's very transferable. Like being a BA is basically going out to, I think anyone doing administration work can easily be a, yeah, really, it's just being very organized. But then obviously there's some slight technical aspect to it as well, but we don't realize that being if you've been like a personal assistant or, or administration, you can easily transfer easily into a business analyst role. So yeah, and it's just... Sorry, I was going to say, is there any success stories that you can share from code and stuff? Oh yeah, we've definitely had quite a lot of success stories. So when we celebrated our one year anniversary which was because i launched code and stuff i was very intentional about the day that i launched it i launched it on international women's day 2018 okay oh 2019 last year 2019. <laughs> yeah and we turned one year in march international women's day in march just before lockdown just before I lockdown, know, yeah. <laughs> I know, it, it was like, wow, I'm so glad <laughs> we were able to do some of this stuff. But even lockdown hasn't stopped us. We have moved our events online and now yeah. we actually have gone out more outside of Manchester. We've had people coming to join us from London, people joining us from Leeds. So oh, wow. lockdown has actually been a positive stuff for us. So um, I'm trying to look at the milestones that I posted when we were a year old. So... We've done quite a lot in the year. Our community has grown to over 180 members in our Slack communities now. We have about 84 members on Trello. So we do this all agile way of learning as well. So we use Trello. We've had up to, I was actually getting somebody to give me the stats today. So I don't know if she's managed to. We've had over, I believe, the last time I checked, but this wasn't even a but we've done about 70 events. Oh wow. So and far. this is this is in the this is in a year, isn't it? Yes. I think this is a year plus. Um, because we didn't stop when lockdown started. Uh, we moved everything online. So even though it was lockdown, we're still doing our weekly events because since it started, uh couldn't stuff was always weekly. Fair enough, we took a break during December. So we're on a break now. So we did our last event for the year last week. And then we'll be back in January, like at the ending of January, giving people the time to enjoy the holiday season, just a, bit, a little bit of a break. So we have an amazing mentor network of about 40 mentors in our community. And the last time I checked, 
We have five partnerships that we've partnered up with uh, amazing communities in Manchester. We have Not Coders, they're like the leading boot camp in Manchester. We have Chagoland Rover, they host us when we do our in-person events. We have Vucortech, we have Sphinx that we've partnered up with. We have Innovator as well. And then we've got about almost 10 developer success stories. And some one of one of our community members recently just got a job with Amazon, which is just amazing. When I think about the progress she's made from when she started at Code and Stuff to now working for Amazon, like and like it's just it's amazing just seeing all the amazing stuff people have gone up to do. Even just yesterday, someone just shared a job, they've just got a job yesterday. So that was like the cherry on the cake for me and yesterday. That's that sort of just made my year. But I think that's that's the fifth job during lockdown. Oh, wow. um, so yeah, so we've had it. So one of the things I say that we do in Kona stuff is we also signpost people to other opportunities in tech. And at the same time, we support them while they're doing it if they need any help with assignments or anything like that. So part of that is, uh, and we're actually very lucky, there's quite a lot of opportunities. And the one thing I would say to people is take any opportunities that come your way and take it seriously. It was the same with that I did my scholarship. I applied for it and I took it seriously. I've got that scholarship and not put all my 100% into it. And I wouldn't have been where I am now. And so there were people that have done the tech returner course. They got jobs at booking.com. And now she's gone from working at booking.com to now working for Amazon. So when they finished the course, there was about five of them got the job afterwards, which was amazing. So we've had people that have done courses with Generation. They start. They are in partnership with the Princess Trust. They just started running some technical boot camps recently. And yeah. they work with Amazon. So the people that have got opportunities like that or people that have started apprenticeships. So we had someone that successfully got an apprenticeship now works at Co-op Digital and she's doing amazing. She just told me she just passed one of her exams. And I'm literally, I'm like, well done, like amazing and so we've had so many success stories since this has started i'm actually one of the things i'm going to be doing over the other days is actually kind of getting all the data together so i can actually share all that achievements that even though lockdown has been happening this year we've still been able to do some amazing stuff i think we've done about 20 online events since lockdown yeah but i don't have the that's just like a estimate I think for me, listening to the success stories leads very nicely to how I would summarize, you know, this episode uh, we've been discussing with you today, because you mentioned, I'm going to just try to pick up a few words that you mentioned in there, you know, take every opportunity that's out there. Yeah, use, and take it use, seriously. Yeah, exactly. You know, use the importance and the powerful of, you know, social media and networking, as you mentioned, you know, through LinkedIn, you had that. Yeah. Use your fear to give push you yourself. push yourself, yeah, to give you that edge. And I think one thing I'll add to that is don't be afraid of failure. But I think that's the one thing that kept me going. Like once I failed the first time, like when I started learning, like I took had some wobble and I picked myself up. Going through that really just made me almost fearless to be like I wasn't af- I wasn't afraid to fail. And I think as, as women, sometimes we, we, we really like quite afraid of failing the things. And I think sometimes it's good just to go through, go through the process. Don't be quite afraid of failure. I think something is only a failure when you don't learn anything from it. Nothing is ever really a failure. That's very because true. Because 
regardless of whatever you go through, you're still learning a lesson. So, so yeah, and I, I won't count that as a failure. Uh, you know what? And it's that mindset is to realize failure. I think I've, I've heard this quote a million times. Failure is a, a, an attempt at success. Yeah, so, definitely. It's, it's your pathway to success. That's the way yeah, that I kind of... I totally agree. So, you know, I, I, as Faye mentioned, failure and don't be afraid. And if you do, it's, it's part of life. It's part of that journey. Yeah. And I think the last one I want to I want to touch on, you know, in a, in a summarizing way is if you want to change career, if you want to look at tech, whatever it is you want to do in life, take a moment, do a bit of self-reflection, make a yeah. note on a piece of paper, draw a line in the middle and say, now, then, pro, con, and work it that way. I think, is there any anything else, Faye, you want to add to those as I recap? Yeah, so I think one thing that, my career have taught me is you're like this is code that I got somewhere that I've had it to and it was what I was looking for earlier and it said your work is going to fill a large part of your life and the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work and the only way to do great work is to love what you do if you haven't found it yet keep looking don't settle and as we all matter of the heart you will know when you find it and I think that's such an important thing and something that I learned as my career journey has gone ahead, I'm doing something I'm very happy with now. I didn't settle. I worked hard and I'm still working hard. It's just because I'm not a senior developer. I'm still looking forward to like, okay, what's the next step? <laughs> and it's just that not stopping. I'm still constantly also while I'm doing all this amazing stuff and helping other people, I'm making sure I'm prioritizing myself as well. And I think for people that want to work in tech, one thing that I would definitely say is, find a mentor, find a community. And I think that is so important. And last but not least, don't give up. If you think something's really important and this is what you want to do, then whatever obstacle you might find, try and find your purpose, your why, of why you even started that journey in the first place. And hmm. you would find that just, that keeps you going. Do you know what? I could not summarize it any better than Faye the words you you just wrapped up there and I think what I want to do I don't want to say anything else I want to wrap it up there and just you know Faye for your time because for me I myself and Hess have been sitting here listening intently and just nodding along and secretly making notes and saying you know what I need to do a bit this more I need to take a page from Faye's career and push myself a bit more and on that note Faye all I want to do is thank you we will put the link on both of those sites on our bio. And I got a feeling we'll get Faye on another episode talking about other topics that I sense we can learn from her and go from there. Oh, thank you. I definitely want to say thank you for having me and thank you for giving me the time to sort of share a little bit about um, my journey so far and some of the things I've learned along the way. So definitely. And hopefully, yeah, I would love to come again. <laughs> no worries. Thank you so much, Faye. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Three Musketeers, hosted by Hamid and Hissam Amiri. Don't forget to share and follow, as more thought-provoking episodes with guests around the world will be appearing soon. See you soon.